The first of my posts was a focus summary of Part 6, Chapters 4 and 5. Svidrigailov had said he would tell Raskolnikov about how a woman tried to save him. He begins. He was in the debtor's prison, with no hope of being able to pay, when Marfa Petrovna bought him out. She was an honest, sensible, uneducated woman who loved him to the point of insanity. Because she was much older than he, and because of his irrepressible swinishness, he could not be faithful to her, and he told her so. Despite her jealousy, she agreed to a contract throughout their married life that said he would never leave her, would never absent himself without permission, would never set up a permanent mistress, would be given a free hand with the servants, would never fall in love with a woman of their class, and would reveal to her any great serious passion. As to the latter, she was at ease, since she regarded him as a profligate incapable of love. It is true, he says, that she was ridiculous, but he says that he feels sorry for the woes he caused her. One day she took the risk of inviting the beautiful Avdotya Romanovna into the house as a governess. His only explanation for such foolhardiness is that she literally fell in love with Avdotya Romanovna herself, and little wonder. At first he was silent about Avdotya Romanovna, and that angered Marfa Petrovna. She told her all about him. He says she probably heard all the dark rumors, too and he asks if Raskolnikov has heard of them. Raskolnikov says he has heard that Svidrigailov caused the death of a child, and that there was a footman he treated badly. Svidrigailov asks him in a tone of disgust to drop the subject. He then resumes a civil tone, and explains how Marfa Petrovna's gossip about him worked in his interests. It stirred Avdotya Romanovna to pity for a lost soul, and pity in a girl's heart, he says, is dangerous. She was moved to save him. He saw at once that the bird was flying into the cage of herself. He laments that Avdotya Romanovna was not the daughter of some prince in Asia Minor in the second century A.D., since she is the type who would have endured martyrdom with a smile. He says this Mr. Razumihin had better look after her. His interest in Avdotya Romanovna began as an irresistible physical attraction, but she was phenomenally, almost morbidly chaste. One day, she came to him to intervene on behalf of one of the servants, Parasha, and to insist with tears and supplications that Svidrigailov leave her alone. He played his part well, acting disconcerted and embarrassed. He posed as thirsting for light, and then he resorted to the most powerful weapon in the subjection of the female heart—flattery. However coarse the flattery, he says, at least half will always seem true, and even a vestal virgin might be seduced by it. He recalls with laughter how he once seduced a wife and mother simply by flattering her shamelessly. He prostrated himself before her purity— and with every glance or pressure of the hand, he would praise her resistance and scorn himself for his treachery. He triumphed, while she remained convinced that she was innocent and succumbed to him by accident. Then, at the end of it all, 
he told her straight that she was just as eager as he. He had begun to have the same effect on Evdotya Romanovna, but he spoiled it with his impatience. The light in his eyes frightened her, and they parted. He fell to jeering at her efforts to convert him. There was a to-do over Parasha. Avdotya Romanovna's flashing eyes began to haunt his dreams and moved him to frenzy. He resolved to offer her all his money if she would run away with him, and he felt that he would have cut Marfa Petrovna's throat if she asked. Then he learned that Marfa Petrovna had made a match between Avdotya Romanovna and Luzhin. He slams his fist on the table, and Raskolnikov notices that the wine he has been sipping unconsciously is affecting him. Raskolnikov takes the opportunity to ask Svidrigailov if he still has designs on his sister. Svidrigailov calls all that nonsense, and says she can't endure him. Raskolnikov says he is certain she can't, and Svidrigailov asks mockingly, Are you so sure she can't? He says that you can never know what has passed between lover and mistress, and that there is always a little corner which remains a secret to the world and is only known to these two. Raskolnikov insists that Svidrigailov has designs on Avdotya Romanovna and asks what he is so afraid of. Svidrigailov evades the issue of his designs and says that it is Raskolnikov who ought to be afraid. Then he says he will annihilate Raskolnikov's suspicions by telling him that he is to be married. It has all been arranged by Madame Reslik, the woman whose girl they say drowned herself. She is a sly hussy, he says, who believes he will get sick of his wife and abandon her, after which she can get a hold of the girl and make a profit out of her. The girl is a sixteen-year-old from an impoverished and struggling family. No matter that he is fifty— he is a landowner with connections and a fortune. He says it was worth paying to see the scene. She in her short frock, curtsying and flushing, with tears of bashfulness that are better than beauty. They are now betrothed, and he takes her on his knee and kisses her at every instant, which she does not resist, since her mamma has told her he is her husband, and it must be so." He says her face is like that of the Sistine Madonna, full of mournful religious ecstasy, and she steals looks at him that scorch him. The day after they were betrothed, he gave her presents valued at fifteen hundred roubles. She flung herself on his neck, swore to devote all her life to him, and said she wanted only respect, not presents. This confession, by a sixteen-year-old in a muslin frock, with a flush of maiden shyness, he says, was fascinating, and worth paying to see. Raskolnikov asks whether he will truly make such a monstrous marriage, and Svidrigailov says that of course he will, since he is a sinful man, and he lives most gaily who knows best how to deceive himself. Raskolnikov comments that he understands now why Svidrigailov provided for Katerina Ivanovna's children— and Svidrigailov responds, laughing, that he has always been very fond of children. He then describes how, when he first came to Petersburg, he rushed to visit the places that haunted his dreams when he was in the country with Marfa Petrovna. At one of them, 
he saw a girl of thirteen dancing the can-can and blushing with shame while her mother looked on from the corner. The audience laughed and shouted that it served them right for bringing a child there. He fixed on his plan, sat down next to the mother, apologized for the ill-bred people, and offered to take them home in his carriage. He offered his money and services, and the offer was accepted with enthusiasm as an honor. They are still friendly. Raskolnikov cuts him off, calling him a vile and depraved man, and Svidrigailov calls him a regular shiller. He gets up, saying it has been a pleasure, and Raskolnikov cries that it must be a pleasure for such a worn-out profligate to describe such monstrous adventures. Svidrigailov goes out, and Raskolnikov, very suspicious of him, follows. Svidrigailov says he will go one way, and Raskolnikov must go the other, and he walks toward the haymarket. Raskolnikov walks after him. Svidrigailov, turning, asks, "'What's this?' and the two men look at each other as though measuring their strength. Raskolnikov says again that he believes Svidrigailov still has designs on his sister, and he intends to find out. Svidrigailov threatens to call the police, but seeing that Raskolnikov is not frightened, he assumes a mirthful air. He says he is only going home, and asks if Raskolnikov intends to follow. Raskolnikov says he will, but only to see Sonia, and to apologize for missing the funeral. Svidrigailov tells him that Sonia is not at home. She has gone to see the patroness he had given money to provide for Katerina Ivanovna's children. Raskolnikov says he will come all the same. Svidrigailov suggests that Raskolnikov is only suspicious of him because he has shown the delicacy not to mention what he overheard, and he says that will teach him to show delicacy. Raskolnikov answers, or listen at doors. Svidrigailov then mocks him for all his sighing and groaning, saying the Schiller in him is in revolt every moment, even prompting him to condemn Svidrigailov for listening at doors. He says that if he believes it wrong to listen at doors, but right to murder an old woman, he better hasten to America. He tells Raskolnikov that he ought to lay aside the moral questions he is worrying over. He says there is no use in taking up a job he isn't suited for, and he tells him he'd better shoot himself. Raskolnikov accuses him of only trying to enrage him, so he will leave. Raskolnikov follows him into his room, where Svidrigailov takes a five-percent bond from the bureau, locks the flat, says he is going to the islands in a carriage, and asks Raskolnikov if he would like a lift. Raskolnikov finally dismisses his suspicions and walks off. But had he looked back, he would have seen Svidrigailov get out of the carriage not a hundred paces off. Raskolnikov curses himself for looking for help from that depraved sensualist and blackguard. There is something about Svidrigailov that interests him, but it feels unbearable to go on thinking about it. As he stands on the bridge, staring at the water, Dunya passes by and wonders whether to call him or not. Suddenly, Svidrigailov approaches and whispers that they must make haste away, since he does not want Raskolnikov to know of their meeting. They turn the corner, and Dunya tells him to say what he wants there, in the street. 
he offers reasons why he cannot, and then simply says he will refuse to tell her the secret only he knows about her brother if she does not come with him. She looks afraid, but he offers her assurances. They're in town, not in the country. Sonia is likely at home next door. The porter sees them and will have noticed her face. He asks, his lips twisted into a condescending smile, if he is really so terrible. Meanwhile, his heart throbs, and he can hardly breathe. She says she is not afraid, and tells him to lead the way. But her face is pale. On his way in, he inquires whether Sonia is home, and remarks how unfortunate it is that she isn't. He shows Dunya the empty room next to his, with the chair by the door, where he listened to the conversation between Raskolnikov and Sonia. Then he leads her into his room, and they sit down. The glow in his eyes frightens her, and she looks around uneasily, struck by the secluded position of the lodging. But she is more afraid for Raskolnikov than she is for herself. She lays Fidrigailov's letter on the table, insists she does not believe a word of it, and demands the proof he promised. He asks why, if she did not believe him, she agreed to come, and he calls her brave for not having brought Razumihin as an escort. It proves how desperately she wants to spare her brother. He then tells Dunya all the details of Raskolnikov's confession, and says that Sonia, who would never betray him, is the only other one who knows his secret. Her lips white, gasping for breath, Dunya cries that it is a lie. Forgetting her fear, she asks imploringly how Raskolnikov could possibly have done such a thing. Svidrigailov says that he explained the causes, and he lays them out for Dunya. His pride, his wretched conditions, his longing for a better future, his theory of superior persons, etc. She asks if Raskolnikov has no remorse or moral feeling. Svidrigailov says that everything is in a muddle in Russia, and that Russians are broad in their ideas, disposed to the chaotic, and lacking in sacred traditions. But, as they used to discuss on the terrace after supper, he never blames anyone. He observes that she looks pale. She says that she knows Raskolnikov's theory. She has read his article. She gets up and says she must see Sonia at once. But Svidrigailov says Sonia will not be at home for some time. Dunya sees at once that he was lying, and she nearly faints. As she comes to, Svidrigailov tells her to calm herself, saying they will save him together. They will take him abroad, and he will atone for his crime. Sonia runs from him and discovers that the door is locked. He says that they couldn't be shouting all over the flat about this subject, and he tells her that if she goes out in this state, she will betray him. He asks her to sit down, and she asks him whether Raskolnikov can really be saved. He responds, with glowing eyes and burning with emotion, that it all depends on her. He says that he loves her beyond everything, that he longs to kiss the hem of her dress, that she need only ask him, and he will do the impossible. He will use his money and influence to save Raskolnikov, to take him away, and she can come too. 
Dunya runs to the door, screaming for help, and Svidrigailov's lips break into a mocking smile. She demands the key, and he says that he cannot find it. He tells her he has taken measures. No one will hear her, and she will not dare complain afterwards, because to do so would be to betray her brother. He says that she can submit to circumstances in good conscience, because she would be doing so to save her brother. He is her slave, and he will wait. He sits down on the sofa. Dunya jumps up and pulls a revolver out of her pocket. Smiling maliciously, he says this makes things easier, and he recognizes the revolver as one of his own from their shooting lessons. She retorts that it belonged to Marfa Petrovna, whom he killed. She says that if he advances one step, she will kill him. He says that even if he had killed Marfa Petrovna, it would have been for her sake, and she insists that she always hated him. He tells her that she forgets how she softened to him in the heat of propaganda. Her eyes flash with fury, and he tells her to go ahead and shoot. She raises the revolver with fire in her eyes, and he feels he had never seen her so handsome. He takes a step forward, and she shoots. The bullet grazes the skin on his temple. He mocks her for missing, and says he will seize her before she can cock it again. He takes two steps forward, and she shoots again, but it misfires. He tells her to get the next charge ready. He will wait. Seeing the passion and stubbornness in his eyes, she realizes he would rather die than let her go, and she drops the revolver. Svidrigailov, surprised, draws a deep breath. It feels as if a weight had dropped from his heart, not from the fear of death, but from another, darker, more bitter feeling. He goes to her gently and puts his arm around her waist. She implores him to let her go. He asks, Then you don't love me. And she says she doesn't and never will. He gives her the key. He tells her to make haste, and the words seem to contain a terrible significance. Dunya rushes out. Svidrigailov remains standing at the window, looking about him with a sad, weak smile of despair. He washes the blood from his temple, takes up the revolver, thinks a little, and goes out.